0: Alright, there was one announcement that I forgot, and Ellie was gracious enough to remind me, next week is communion. Next week we'll be having a communion, so I just want you to be aware of that and prepare for that, and hopefully come and, and join us for that. But Happy New Year! Happy New Year! It is now 2024. 2024, and it's that time when many of us are looking forward to the year ahead and maybe doing a little dreaming, and like Bruce was mentioning, it's, it's time for New Year's resolutions, maybe we're, we're setting goals, creating new habits, we're, we're looking for areas of improvement in our lives, and so today, I'd, I'd like to take that practice and just, just run with it a little bit. I found the inspiration for this sermon in Philippians chapter two, specifically verse five, which says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Another translation uses the word attitude, attitude. Have this same attitude, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's one thing to talk about our attitude and how to improve it, but it's another thing entirely to talk about having the same attitude as Jesus. And if it was our job, if it was our task to change our own attitude into his, it would be an impossibility. But is that what Paul is saying here? Not at all. He's inviting us to this new attitude while saying that it's already ours in Christ. It's already ours. This isn't about building something that isn't ours. It's about taking hold of and believing in the eternal union that we have with God. Now, before we move on, I I, I wanna make sure that we're all on the same page concerning talking about attitude. And so here's a tremendous definition that I found of the word. It's a settled way of thinking or feeling that's reflected in a person's behavior. In other words, you settle your thinking, you set your mind, and your behavior follows. Your behavior follows. I seem to recall similar teachings in Scripture, Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Or how about Proverbs 23, verse 7? For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What profound simplicity. So again, attitude is a settled way of thinking that's reflected in a person's behavior. And this is why Paul places a good deal of emphasis on how we are to act and live in the second chapter of his letter to the Christians in Philippi. Let's be honest, y'all. All it takes is for you to walk outside your door hop into your car, and just drive around town. Maybe you drive around for just 10 minutes or so, and you will be able to see so much that is wrong in this world. Everywhere we look, we see destruction, disappointment, depression, rejection, pain, and broken dreams. Therefore, if we aren't careful, it's very easy to become bitter, critical, and negative. Negative thinking takes over. And before we know it, our first thought in any given situation is to look for what is wrong. What's wrong with things, places, or people? But is that the type of attitude that God wants for us? <laughs> no, thank you, Misha. <laughs> is that the type of attitude That Christ had. Over the past five years, I've found myself becoming more and more interested in World War II history. It's not just full of interesting stories, twists, and turns, but I found that it also gives me a lot of perspective. Perspective. Things were really, really bad in many, many places for numerous years. And for many, those numerous years probably felt like an eternity. On September 1st, 1939, German forces invaded Poland from the north, from the south, and from the west. And then 15 days later, the Soviet Union invaded from eastern Poland. And the campaign ended on October 6th with Germany and the Soviet Union dividing and annexing the whole of Poland, the entire country. The Polish people lived under occupation for years, but an underground Polish resistance was formed. Poland suffered over 870,000 casualties, with 66,000 of that number ending in death. Homes were destroyed. Places of worship were desecrated, and around 90%, 90% of all of the buildings in the capital city of Warsaw were left as nothing but rubble and ash, yet the will of the Polish people would not be broken. In August of 1944, almost five years into the Nazi occupation, the Polish resistance started to fight back in what has become known as the Warsaw Uprising. And during, uh, by this point too, it's important to know that Stalin had switched sides. The Soviet Union was now at war with Nazi Germany. And during the Warsaw Uprising, Soviet troops came to Warsaw, and what the Polish people assumed was to be their saving grace and knockout punch to the Nazis. But then the Red Army stopped on the outskirts of the capital, and they never entered. Stalin said, it's not my fight. During the Nazi occupation, two Polish young people named Lily and Bill became constant companions. And that eventually led to an engagement in the worst of circumstances. By mid-August 1944, most of the Polish resistance fighters assumed each day could very well be their last one alive. And one evening, Bill was talking with a comrade who asked him, why don't you and Lily just get married? Bill answered, we can get killed tomorrow, so why not? Why not? A messenger was sent to Lily, your wedding is tomorrow at 11 o'clock, please show up. And she did. And as providence would have it, a passing war film crew was able to capture Bill and Lily's wedding ceremony. These are a couple pictures from that ceremony. You can see his arm is in a sling. These, These pictures have since been colorized. They're, they're, they're beautiful. A documentary that I was recently watching, it had an old man, Bill, talking and laughing at how they use curtain rings as wedding bands because that's all that was available to them on such short notice. In the midst of hell on earth, under terrifying conditions, and with no promise of any kind of real future, this young couple had a choice to focus on on all the negative, or to choose to focus on the positive? Instead of choosing to look at and talk about everything that was wrong, they decided to move forward with a song in their heart. What is the song in your heart as you face difficulties in this life? What is the song in your heart? Dear friends, it's true that because you are in Christ, we've been set free from sin. But sin still exists. Sin still exists. We're still living in a fallen world. But we've also been given Holy Spirit power to live and to think above negative influences. This is why Paul reminds us of what's possible within this new kingdom reality. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Where are you setting your mind? On what are you dwelling? Paul also wrote this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Our tendency, because of all that the world has taught us, is to focus on and to think about the negative. Yet, it's the act of our empowered will as people with a new nature to be able to turn our minds heavenward. Because our minds are being renewed in the spirit, we can be known for positive thinking, encouraging mindsets, and Christ-like attitudes. We don't have to lead with condemnation, judgment, and a mind that is always critical towards others. As scripture reminds us, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In Christ, we can think, The best of people. We are free to assume good motives. We choose to see beauty, potential, and opportunity. And so Paul, he takes some time in Philippians chapter 2 to talk about attitude. He begins with a series of instruction on how we are to relate to others. Verses 1 and 2, he says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, If you count them up in these four verses, you've got seven things, seven things that are totally impossible to do consistently within our own power. Maybe you've experienced this. And so context is extremely important here. And this is why Paul opened with this. So if there is any encouragement In Christ, if any comfort from love, if there is any participation in the Spirit, that if there is really important. And something's left out of the the English that is apparent in the Greek. It's what's called the first class condition, it's considered the simple condition and assumes that the present, the premise is true for the sake of argument. In other words, Paul is saying this, if there is, and there is. He's stating, if you have been encouraged in Christ, and you have. If you have been consoled in love, and you have. If you've experienced the Spirit, and you have. If you understand Christianity at all, let's see these things in your life. This is what Paul is getting at here. It's a sobering challenge, yes, but there's encouragement there too. Paul does not lay out these things as goals to reach, but lays them out as encouragements. And really, they are promises as to what's possible because we are in Christ and his spirit is within us. This is not a fantasy or something to look forward to, it's real. It's now. All righteous attributes of character dwell in God as a perfect, harmonious whole. When we receive Christ and his spirit, we are privileged to possess these attributes. This is the science of holiness. This is what it means to be set apart for a purpose. As Romans 8 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he does, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So we can live as he lived. We can love as he loved. We can forgive as he forgave. Whether it's compassion, patience, or wisdom. We can walk in these things just as Christ did because that's the reality of who we are in the spirit. So for some, this reads as bad news because we we can't do any of this without him. But it's all great news because we can do all of this because Christ lives in us. Preachers and Bible teachers would make a terrible mistake by calling people to right behavior without providing them the basis or the foundation for that behavior. It's something that the writers of the New Testament did with such efficacy, especially Paul. Paul, in all of his letters, the doctrine is first. He puts that doctrine first, the finished work of Christ, and then he follows it up with the practical exhortation of how to live as Christians. How to behave. How to obey. So as ambassadors for Christ, We're not calling people to a mere right behavior or code of ethics. We are calling people to a proper understanding of who they are in Christ. And the natural byproduct of knowing who you are in Christ is a life well lived. Jesus said, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Service to others then becomes our life's calling too. But not begrudgingly. Doing it with the right attitude. The attitude of Christ, which Paul has told us is ours. So, all these things that Paul lays out in Philippians 2, they're promises of how your life will be if you trust Christ and consent to his working in your life through the Spirit. Thus the role we play in all of this, it actually begins way before right actions are even seen. It begins with our attitude and the intentions of our heart. Lord, I love you and I trust you to work in my life to mold and to shape me in any way that represents your kingdom. That's the foundational decision we need to make before we can ever expect to see these expressions of Jesus's attitude in our own lives. Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Day by day, we are learning to walk in this renewal after his image. It's a finished work from Christ's end, but it's a daily acceptance on our end. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It's an event. We aren't trying to become a lover. We aren't trying to become unselfish. We aren't trying to become a person who is committed to service in Christ. We are all that. Yet we still have to learn to live from him and to walk in faith, which is rooted in our new God-given identity as his sons and daughters as ambassadors for Christ. It's almost like we're, we're little children who are learning how to walk with the Father. And for all of you parents out here, how do you treat your child who is learning how to walk that takes a few steps and then falls over? How do you treat them? <laughs> Compassion, thank you. I honestly, I, I don't know many parents here who would look at their child who's just learning to walk, who falls down and then they run over and scold the child? No, they're happy in those steps. They encourage them. They pick them up. I love the wisdom given in Proverbs 24:16. For the righteous falls 7 times and rises again. Notice that it doesn't say the righteous person falls and stays down. <laughs> It says they get back up. Don't allow the possibility of slipping up or making a mistake, putting your foot in your mouth to keep you from moving forward in faith, walking in love, even when you might be feeling a bit unsteady. We may stumble. But we keep getting up because we know that we aren't alone and that we are living from Christ. So again, have this mind, have this attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And remember, attitude is a settled way of thinking that's reflected in a person's behavior. How that played out in Jesus's life? Paul explains further, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That, that word for servant, it's the Greek word doulos. It means bond servant, bond servant. Some translations say slave. And I know some of us are like, oh, no, I was set free. I don't want to be a slave. But I mean, Paul is pretty clear in Romans 6. Yes, you have been set free from sin, but now you have become a slave to righteousness. (laughs) Jesus totally gave up his will in favor of somebody else's will. And he took this attitude all the way to the end, all the way to the end. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Wow. This type of attitude firmly rooted in love, it just leaves my mind boggled. But it also leaves me amazed amazed and thankful. Christ's love for each one of us is is so profound, beyond measure. One of the tools of debate is to argue from greater to lesser in order to magnify your point. In John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. That is the, the, the greater here. But the argument finishes up, I I, I see this as providential. It starts in John 3.16, but it finishes in 1 John 3.16, which says, by this we know, love, that Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for others. The argument of greater to lesser. Do we realize what has been done for us? Have we taken that from just being an idea or or a teaching and allowed it to be the truth that God tells us concerning our worth and our value in his eyes? The seed of this truth, when fully received, will lead not just to an attitude adjustment, but an attitude replacement. So the question for us today is this. Will we cooperate with God and the work he is desiring to do in and through us? It's great to know the truth. Jesus says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yet he isn't content for us to simply be free. He also wants to give us purpose, purpose, So we don't just want to know the truth on an intellectual level. We also want to follow the counsel given in James 1. We want to be doers of the word, not just hearers. So yes, we are in Christ, and therefore we have been given the mind and the attitude of Christ. And if we believe it, then why not walk in faith? Why not speak faith? even in the midst of difficulties, roadblocks, and pain. In a world where it's easy to find negative things to focus on, in a time where it's easy to grow bitter, critical, and negative, the love of God is more powerful than anything the devil can throw at us. Instead of choosing to look at and talk about everything that is wrong in the world, why not decide to move forward with a song in your heart? Why not take hold of the attitude of Christ and help to expand his kingdom? It doesn't matter what regrets you have from this last year, from 2023. Walk in the truth that you are a new creation in a new year and with a new attitude. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As we close, I'd, I'd like to offer you a practical way to apply something from today's sermon. So consider taking a picture of this week's secret place practice. The mind and attitude of Christ is yours through faith. If you are in Christ, and that's that first class condition, and you are, then you've been given every spiritual blessing according to Ephesians 1. When the temptation to give in to negative thinking arises, turn your eyes upon Jesus to remember who you are and whose you are. The accompanying scripture text is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and you are, right? He or she is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. Before we have our closing prayer, I'm going to invite Sarah to come forward as the platform elder for t- today. And so after the benediction, you who wish to be dismissed can head on to potluck. But if there's anybody here who has any, any specific needs, any specific requests, maybe, maybe a praise that you just wanna share, then come up and talk to either Sarah or myself. We'd love to hear from you. and Lift that petition, lift that praise up to the throne of grace. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. And not just for salvation, not just for the future eternal life, but for the invitation and the reality, if we would just receive and believe it, to live the abundant life now to lay hold to the mind and the attitude of Christ and everything that comes with it. Lord, the enemy has a lot of lies, but Lord, we have the truth. We know the truth on an intellectual level, yes, but we also know the truth as a person, Jesus. So Lord, as we go through this new year, We don't know exactly what we're going to face. We don't know all the ups and downs. But we do know that we don't want to go through it alone. We believe that you are the God who never leaves us or forsakes us. You are the God that has imparted to us your spirit to live inside of us. So Lord, we are here with our hearts positioned toward you, our minds receptive to your voice, your leading, and your calling. And we are looking forward, an excited expectation for all that you are going to do in us and through us and around us. Lord, we wanna let our lights shine and we want to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We're starting a new year and we thank you for giving us this new attitude. We claim it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.